I love the line of the song we just sang. It said, if I ever need reminding. Anybody in here like me forget? Yes. I mean, you know, it's amazing that I can remember lyrics from the 1980s, but I can't even remember what I even ate yesterday. I mean, can I get a witness in the room with me today? I mean, it's just amazing how those lyrics come, come just flooding your mind and, and heart. And you can, I mean, you got them word for word, or you can hear a tune on there, and you know exactly, I mean, it's like that name that tune kind of moment. I can name that tune in five notes, or I can name that tune in two notes. And okay, we'll go for it. And they put two notes, and they guess it. It's like, that's amazing. But I can't even remember yesterday what I had for lunch or, or really what we did. It's, it's just amazing how that works. In, in, in our journey with the Lord, sometimes we just need reminding of how good God is to us. Count it all joy when you go through suffering of any kind. Just remember, those tough times is what really galvanizes us in the faith. And so today... We're going to be in Daniel chapter 6. We've been in Daniel over this last couple of weeks, and so we're going to be in chapter 6 today. And I love this text, and I love looking at Daniel. I love looking at Joseph, and I just love his story. And um, so the title of the message today is simply this, The Hero of the Story. There's a hero to this story today that we're going to look at the life of Daniel and what he did and mostly, if we were to go around the room and we were to ask the kids in the room or, or we could ask you, what do you remember about Daniel? And the first thing probably on the forefront of the mind, if, if, if we haven't forgotten, is Daniel and the lion's den. Yeah, see, okay, y'all passed the test. We're good. Let's have an invitation. We're done, okay? No, it's, it's good. Yeah, you remember Daniel and the lion's den. And so today, I want us to just get in front of that story and just left out some things there. I mean, there's words that we're going to hear that I want to try to get us to, to be reminded of and look at. Over the last several weeks, we've also had a memory verse. Okay, let's, let's just be honest. How many of you memorized Colossians 2.8? That's good. Okay, let me ask this. How many of you absolutely tried your best to, to do Colossians 2.8? There we go. Yeah, I got, got more hands up there. Great. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy or empty deceit, based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world, rather than, and get this word, rather than Christ. All right, say the word after me, Christ. There you go, yeah. What he's just simply saying here is don't, don't, don't let anything take you captive in this life other than Christ. That's what we've really looked at. That's what I've tried to drive home over these last three weeks is with Daniel. Listen, what did he do? Nothing caught his attention or nothing captivated him nothing got him to where he was held captive by anything in his humanistic standpoint only his obedience to god was what captured him his obedience to his lord is what captured him psalm 19 verses 7 through 11 says this i want, I want us just to listen to these words before we read the text today the instruction of the lord is perfect does a, does a song come to your mind? <laughs> you know, it, it, it just you can hear songs all this morning through, through these texts. The instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. Isn't that beautiful? Any, any of us in here need to have our eyes light up just a little bit? We can get so discouraged and so 
downtrodden, downcast. Need to, okay, so that, there, there you got it. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. And the command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. There should be an excitement when we read God's Word, an excitement when we share what He's doing in our life. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The, in, the ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold, and sweeter than honey, dripping from a honeycomb. In addition, your servant is warned by them, and in keeping them, there is an abundant reward. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, anybody got next to a honeycomb lately and just got the drippings off that honeycomb, straight off of that honeycomb? Sweetness. Just beautiful. All the stuff making our eyes light up. And now we get to Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. Would you stand with me as we read together this morning, if you're able to stand with us? All right, the heading in my particular Bible says this, The Plot Against Daniel. Anybody in here been to where there's been a plot against you? The Word of the Lord. Darius decided to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom, stationed throughout the realm, and over them three administrators, including Daniel. These satraps would be accountable to them, so the king would not be defrauded. And verse 3, this is so good. Daniel distinguished himself above the administrators and satraps because he had an extraordinary spirit. So the king planned to set him over the whole realm. The administrators and satraps therefore kept trying to find a charge against Daniel regarding the kingdom, but they could not find no charge or corruption, for he was trustworthy, and no negligence or corruption was found in him. Then these men said, We will never find any charge against this Daniel unless we find something against him concerning the law of his God. So the administrators and satraps went together to the king and said to him, May King Darius live forever. All the administrators of the kingdom, the prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an edict that for 30 days anyone who petitions any god or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den. Therefore, your majesty, establish the edict and sign the document so that as a law of the Medes and Persians, it is irrevocable and cannot be changed. So King Darius signed the written edict. Verse 10, when Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house. The windows in his upstairs room opened toward Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees, prayed, and gave thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel petitioning and imploring his God. Father, speak to us this morning. May we learn... May we understand. May we be reminded this morning of how good you are. Because you're a good, good Father. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. The first thing that I want us to see in this particular uh, chapter is an extraordinary spirit. Extraordinary spirit. It said that Daniel distinguished himself above everybody else because he had gifts, talents, abilities. 
Nope. It's because he had an extraordinary spirit. See, Daniel was led by a few things. Insight. He was led by intelligence. He was led by wisdom. See, an ex- ex- exceptional spirit can refer to this, a good attitude or abilities. And see, but possibly the king recognized that Daniel was in touch with the gods and therefore possessed great wisdom. Does anybody in here know the difference between ordinary and extraordinary? I mean, it's, it, this is real deep. Now, let me get you with you. The word extra. <laughs> That's it. The word extra. I'm really profound today. I'm telling you, I'm really good. Yeah, simply the word extra added to the beginning of extraordinary. Many times we feel like we have to be extraordinary instead of just ordinary. But here's what I found. And you know these people. It's the, it's the lovely saints that have prayed for you. The lovely saints that have encouraged you over the years. That will never hit the headlines, but what they have always exuded from their life. They may be ordinary to man, but they're extraordinary. Because they have an extraordinary spirit about them. They're focused on the mission that God has for them. See, Psalm 92, 12 and 15 says this, The righteous thrive like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they thrive in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age, healthy and green, to declare the Lord is just, He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. that's, That's how I remember those saints. That's how I remember those people that have poured into my life over the years the the folks may even that i've lost contact with but just as a young kid that's what they did they grew they grew older to say man the lord is just the lord is my rock the lord there's no unrighteousness in him i'm firmly standing on this rock today because of their influence because of their walk they had an extraordinary spirit One thing we must remember about Daniel's ability, that he did not place his trust in his abilities. Listen, he put his total trust in his walk with God and the work of God in his life. Now let me say that again. He put his total trust in his walk with God and the work of God in his life. God has given you an ability, he's given you a talent to share. But that's not what makes us who we are. Man, our walk with Him and our trust in Him and how He navigates our life for Him is what makes it different. See, Daniel did that. He didn't trust all that. He said, listen, I'm going to walk with God and I'm going to trust in the work of God in my life. I know that my life, I've been persecuted. I know that they don't like me. I know that they're ready to kill me. But in spite of all of that, I'm trusting God for the work he's going to do in my life. So here's a question that I want to ask you today, and this is for you and for me. Do you place your faith or your trust in your abilities or in your walk with God and his work in your life? If you were to answer that question, where would you fall? Question A or question B? I pray that it's B for us that we... Just trust that, man, we're walking with God and the work that He's doing in our life. Because we always have a testimony from what He's doing in our life, whether it be good, in the middle, or even the, the struggling times in our life. We're trusting Him 
for that walk. We're trusting Him that He has a greater perspective. We're trusting Him that He has greater provision in our life. Hey, well, Kenny, I've lost my job, but He has something better for you. And something better may not be that you find another job that gives you a lot more lucrative money. It may be that He's defining you and building your character. It's that He's making you a better godly man or godly woman. Then say that He's going he's to just put you in a different... He may do that. But you're trusting Him for everything that you have in your life. I'm not, listen, I'm good at this. I'm good at woodworking. I can work with my hands. I can build things. I'm a good mechanic. I'm a good physician. I'm a, I'm a good teacher. I'm a good lawyer. But we don't put our trust in those abilities. They can be taken away just like that. We put our trust in walking with Him. The second thing we see in this particular chapter, especially in verses 4 and 5, is a trustworthy life. In verses 4 and 5, it says this, The administrators and satraps therefore kept trying to find a charge against Daniel regarding the kingdom. But they could find no charge or corruption, for he was trustworthy. And no negligence or corruption was found in him. Then these men said this. (laughs) so, So typical. Listen, we will never find any charge against this Daniel unless we find something against him concerning the law of his God. See, Daniel's reputation was known for his trustworthiness. His reputation and his success was now multiplying his enemies. The success that he had, they didn't like him. Remember, he was above all the other officials in his extraordinariness, his spirit, his knowledge, his wisdom. And now all the enemies are coming full, full blast to come after him. Daniel did what he should do, and Daniel didn't do what he shouldn't do. He was that wise in the situation of how to handle it, how to navigate it, how to move forward. In Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Many a person proclaims his own loyalty, but who can find a trustworthy person? trustworthiness that's a great trait are you known for your trustworthiness am i known for my trustworthiness when you say that your yes is yes and your no is no is that the case is when you shake hands and make a deal with somebody is it are you trustworthy can you be counted on in all times see it says for he was trustworthy there was no negligence or corruption was found in him And all they had to go after was him in his walk, in his obedience, in his faithfulness to his God. So my question for this second part for you and for I is this. Do people say that you or I am a trustworthy person? Now we have to take a really good inventory of our life on that one. I didn't say that we've always been there because sometimes we may have fumbled the ball. But can people say that we're trustworthy? And the third thing that we can see in this passage is this, in verses 10 and 11. We see Daniel's life. He had an, an extraordinary spirit and he's trustworthy. But we also see this, a discipline of prayer. Listen to verses 10 and 11. When Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house. Okay, so if I reread that, 
when Daniel learned that the document had been signed really to trap him, to get him into a place where he was going to be thrown into the lion's den, he rallied the troops and, and, and gave a riot. Uh, he got pretty, pretty ticked off and he got mad at everybody. So he, just, he went downtown and he said, hey, and he got his bullhorn out and he just started shouting things out to everybody. Nope. Here's what he did. He went into his house. The windows in his upstairs room opened toward Jerusalem. And three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed and gave thanks to his God just as he had done before. What did he do? Something that was a rhythm of his life. It was something that was a discipline in his life. See, I have to be honest with you. When I'm faced with difficult things and I feel like I'm being thrown into the, the fiery furnace, I'm being thrown into the lion's den, do I get down on my hands and knees? Do I go back to my house and open up the windows toward Jerusalem and I'm down on my knees and that's where I go? Or do I get all riled up, get on the phone and call somebody or text real quick to ask for worldly wisdom? See, Daniel didn't do that. Daniel... And I love this in verse 11. Look what these men found when they found Daniel. Listen to the wording. They found Daniel, listen, petitioning and imploring his God. I can only imagine what that prayer was like. I can only imagine what that prayer was when he was talking to God. I'm sure he got up, he opened up the windows, and he got down his knees and he says, God is great, God is good. At least you're awake. I, I love it. No, I mean, listen, he was imploring his God. I mean, can you hear the petitioning and the crying out? I mean, when they went by, they heard Daniel crying out to his God. Lord, man, you're in control. I trust you. You've given me abilities and talents, and you've given me a, a platform and a status with the king. Lord. I know the petition has been signed. I know my fate. I know my destiny. But Lord, it's you. It's you I trust. It's you that I, I place my life into. You know that. See, I love this by Chuck Swindoll. Here's what he said. Daniel's relationship with the Lord was not crisis-oriented. How many of us, if we really were to take an inventory of our life, would say we're more crisis-oriented in our prayer versus having a discipline of prayer? There's been seasons in my life, just as well as I know seasons in your life, that the, the waves are crashing on me, and there's another that's pushing those waves back holding them up from crashing and breaking over my life. And when the fire is really hot, and there's another that's walking with me through the fire, man, I, and I'm, I'm in crisis mode and I'm praying. But then things are going really, really well. And can it be said that, man, I, I get on my hands and knees and I pray, as Paul says to us, without ceasing. That's what Daniel's life was like. See, it wasn't crisis-oriented. Daniel's consistent walk with God was what people saw every day. When an emergency presented itself, Daniel was, listen, already prepared for the battle. 
See, that's what we can take away from Daniel. Listen, he's about to get thrown into the lion's den. But one thing we know, that he was already prepared for the battle. When you live a life of a disciplined prayer life, guess what? You're already prepared for the battle. You're already prepared for those waves crashing on you. You're already ready for the traps that are coming in your life. You're already prepared to face what's coming your way. Always. It is said that possibly that Daniel prayed Solomon's prayer that we find in 1 Kings 8, 35 and 36. Listen to these words. When the skies are shut and there is no rain because they have sinned against you and they pray toward this place and praise your name and they turn from their sins because you are afflicting them may you hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servants and your people Israel so that you may teach them to walk on the good way may you send rain on your land that you gave your people for inheritance see Solomon as he made it clear the temple did not contain God but was the place God himself chose as a place where his people would come to worship him see that's that's kind of in our in our vernacular today we know that this isn't the church you are the church the people here are the church when you leave you're the church this is the place where we gather to worship him we've set this aside this building hey praise the lord for the gym amen I mean, we got a sanctuary as well. And uh, listen, we can fill this thing up, but it's great that we've got this place. And we come in here, guess what we get to do? Sing praises to Him. Open up His Word. Give a word of testimony. Baptism. Man, wasn't that awesome? Right? Seeing people's lives change. Today at D. Berry Baptist Church, Jeremy Cox is baptizing somebody else at D. Berry. Praise the Lord that other churches are seeing salvations um, happen through this, this difficult time. We come to the place, the people gather at the, at the church, at the building, to worship Him. And that's what He knew. See, turning toward Jerusalem, the Judeans in exile turned toward Jerusalem with the longing in their hearts and the hope for the future. How many of us come to this place weekly? How many of us come on Sunday morning with a longing in our hearts to be here? How many of us gathered this place and say, listen, I can't wait to get with the people of God. I can't wait to get them with my brothers and sisters whom I love and care for. I can't wait to get in this space so we can worship God with everything that we have. And say, listen, there's a long and a hard, but listen, we're coming because there's a hope for our future. Listen, they can kill your body. They can't take your soul. Kill me. The best is yet to come. See, kneeling, as Daniel was doing, was a posture. It was a posture that was the most defenseless. And with that posture was a dependence, a humility, and a contrition before God. See, when Daniel just got down on his knees, he was saying, Lord, I'm totally dependent on you. I'm yours. Whatever happens, happens in my life. If they kill me, they kill me. There's this dependence in the posture. And it's something that's very different. There's a humility that we see there. See, Daniel prayed not out of rebellion to the king, but out of, out of obedience to the greater command of God. 
And we remember this because we said this verse a few weeks ago in Acts 5.29. We must obey God rather than man. Yeah, I heard it back there. That was exemplary in Daniel's life. I've got to obey God rather than man. Yes, the king has signed this edict. These men are trapping me. These men want me dead. However, I'm obeying God rather than man. So great was Daniel's reputation for spiritual commitment that even his enemies knew that he would obey God rather than the king's edict. Psalm 51, 17, The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and a humbled heart, God. Isaiah 66, 2, My hand made all these things, and so they all came into being. This is the Lord's declaration. I will look favorably on this kind of person, one who is humble, one who is submissive in spirit, and trembles at my word. Philippians 2, 5 through 8, Adopt this same attitude that of Jesus Christ, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. So here's a question. Is your prayer life defined, defined as crisis management? Or is your life defined by a life of prayer? I'm going to say this phrase, and I want you to repeat it after me, okay? Again, this is another highly profound statement. I'll say it, I want you to repeat it. Jesus is the better. We'll get there. Jesus is the better. Four questions, and this is in your outline, if you have your outline today. Four questions to ask in your situations. Any situation that you get in. Four, four simple questions. How does the gospel bring good news to this situation? Second question, what about the gospel do we need to hear right now? Number three, what about the gospel have we forgotten or failed to believe? And the fourth question is, how is Jesus better than what we have or what we want? Jesus is the better. Man, we're getting better at it. I like it. Is your commitment to King Jesus known to others? Do others see your humility, your submissive spirit, your heart for Christ that others no, you would claim, Acts 5.29, that you're going to obey God rather than man. One thing I know is that they would obey Christ rather than man. Our willingness to risk even our lives is what will turn the heads of the secular culture that surrounds us. And we see that in this particular passage. His obedience, Daniel's obedience, even going to the lion's den to go to die, turned the head of a king. You say, listen, my life isn't that big. Oh, it's, it's just kind of ordinary. It won't make an impact. No, it will. It will. Even Daniel's life, his obedience to, to his God made a huge difference. In, in Acts 17, 28, it says this. Listen, in him, in Christ, we live and move and have our being. There's another song with that one we can probably do today as well, but we, we won't do that one. What impact could you make on people, leaders, a king or a nation? 
See, listen to Daniel 6. If you've got your Bible still open, you can look at it. Daniel 6, 26 and 27. Here's what he said. This is, this is after he's been rescued out of the uh, lion's den. Here's what king said. I issue a decree that in all my royal dominion, people must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he, he endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his dominion has no end. He rescues and delivers. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. For he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Because of your commitment to King Jesus, the impact the gospel makes in your life, and how the gospel shapes your life, you can make a kingdom impact where others will say this, for he is the living God and he endures forever. He rescues and he delivers. That's what people could say. Jesus is the better. Tim Keller says it like this. Jesus is the true and better Adam who passed the test in the garden. His garden is a much tougher garden than his obedience is imputed to us. Jesus is the true and better Abel, who, though innocently slain, has, has blood that cries out, not for our condemnation, but for our acquittal. Jesus is the true and better Adam, who answers the call of God, who leaves all the familiar comforts of the world to go into the void, not knowing where he went. Jesus is the true and better Isaac, who is not only offered by his father on the mount, but who was truly sacrificed for us all. While God said to Abraham, Now I know you truly love me because you did not withhold your son, your only son from me. Now we, at the foot of the cross, can say to God, Now we know you love us because you did not withhold your son, your only son, whom you love from us. Jesus is the true and better Jacob, who wrestled and took the blows of justice we deserve, so we, like Jacob, only receive the wounds of grace that wake us up and disciple us. Jesus is the true and better Joseph, who is at the right hand of the king and forgives those who betrayed and sold him and uses his power to save them. Jesus is the true and better Moses, who stands in the gap between the people and the Lord and meditates the new covenant. Jesus is the true and better rock of Moses, who, struck with the rod of God's justice, now gives us water in the desert. Jesus is the true and better Job, the truly innocent sufferer who then intercedes for and saves his stupid friends. Jesus is the true and better David, whose victory becomes the people's victory, though they didn't lift a stone to accomplish it themselves. Jesus is the true and better Esther, who didn't just risk losing an earthly palace, but lost ultimately the heavenly one, who didn't just risk his life, but gave his life, who didn't say, if I perish, I perish. But, listen, when I perish... I will perish for them to save my people. Jesus is the true and better Jonah, who was cast out into the storm so we could be brought in. He's the real Passover lamb. He's the true temple, the true prophet, the truest priest, the true king, the true sacrifice, the true lamb, the true light, the true bread. And Jesus is the true and better Daniel, who having been lowered into a lion's den of death, listen, emerges early the next morning alive, and vindicated by God. Jesus is the better. What can we take away from this story in Daniel? God is the hero of the story. What can we take away from our daily lives? From your story, from your testimony, from things that you're going through. 
Jesus is the better. Let's pray. Father, this morning, in this place, every single week we sing songs to you about your faithfulness, your goodness to us. Because, Father, all along throughout history, the Old Testament always points to the Messiah, the coming Messiah, which is Jesus. And then we read in the Gospel, the Gospel story and the narrative of, of, a, of a Savior coming to redeem his, his people. He died and he was buried in a tomb and he conquered the grave and he's preparing a place for us. And he's just asked us to repent and to believe and to follow him with everything that we have. And with that, He's given us a spirit, a new spirit. A spirit that can guide us and, and molds us and shapes us into Your image. Oh, my Savior, help me. I am so, so prone to forget. I am so weak to climb. Oh, Father, this morning... May we be reminded that in this place that every single week we come in and Jesus is the hero. Jesus is the hero of our story. It's, it's, it's what we come to celebrate because we're on this side of the resurrection. The fact that the tomb is empty, there is no person in that grave. You have conquered the grave and you're preparing a place for us. And now we live on this side and we can share the gospel with everyone we can come in contact with. And when we share our story, Father, we're sharing stories that, of what you've done in our life and, and how you've redeemed us, how you pulled us out of something. But, Father, we always need to point to and say, Jesus is the better. Jesus, you're the hero of my story. I could be in a lot of places today. I could be in some of the nicest jails all across the nation. Instead, I'm standing right here today. But, Father, may we have the courage and the faithfulness and and the spirit and the trustworthiness that Daniel had, but understand that even as good as Daniel was, Jesus, you are the better. So, Father, in this room, if there's someone who is struggling, somebody going through things, that they can just cling to you, just like the woman did. She just wanted to get and touch the hem of your garment. Somebody here, maybe here today, just wanting to touch the hem of the garment so they can be healed. May we have that drive, that passion, that zeal for you. All this I lift up in your name.